we're tackling the FX series Fargo one episode at a time. For this podcast, we watched season four, episode four, The Pretend War, and we're here in person to talk all about it. I'm Zach Brooks, and I am joined by the ape to my pipsqueak, Aaron Brooks. How's it going? Uh, hi, hi. Yeah, I guess I'm running this uh, podcast, but uh, so are you. That's true. Uh, yeah, it's, we're not sure who's actually in charge. I don't think anybody knows. It's either the ape or, or it could be the pipsqueak. <laughs> so, uh, song quality is probably different because we're not recording over Zoom today. Yeah, um, it's. I'm not sure whether to look at you or not, so I'll mix it up. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the side of my face. Exactly. So I'll just. Uh, but uh, good episode. Uh, it was good to watch and not talk to you as we <laughs> watched the episode. Yeah. Have you uh, done this very often, where you podcast a show with somebody and you actually watch the show or movie with them in person? Uh, well, I haven't podcasted that often about a show with anybody besides you. So but what about like UFC? Have you ever watched UFC with somebody and then had to podcast with them? Nope. Nope. Uh, definitely. It, this is a pretty unique experience. And I, I think even like I said a few things a couple of times and you just didn't say anything back. So I was just <laughs> like, sorry. Save it for the podcast. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, you did. It, it'll be interesting because you called one thing in this episode that was going to happen. Yep. Uh, which, good job. Point for you. Uh, so every week we are going through Fargo, uh, the day or so after the episode airs, so we're talking about the October 11th, 2020 episode, titled The Pretend War. This is not that mysterious of a title. We, uh, think we know what this episode is about. It's about the war that is being started. It's like a Cold War, almost, between the Cannons and the Fathers over a lot of misunderstandings. It's all about, you know, nothing's more American than pretending. Yes. Uh, and I think the, uh, particularly... Uh, that conversation between Dr. Senator and the older uh, Fada. Consigliere, Consigliere. I forgot. Elba, I think. Yeah, Elba, uh, Elba Violante. So, um, yes, he said, to be an American is to pretend. And then he asked him at the end of the conversation, are we at war? And I think the answer is, I guess so. Yeah, they. I think they both know it, but no one wants to say it. So, again, they're pretending not to know they're pretend, like pretend peace mm-hmm. yeah. um so we're going to talk all about that uh and what we saw in this episode as always if you have feedback make sure you are sending that to us digesting dark pod at gmail.com that's the email address from the digesting dark days but we still check that every week and uh make sure you're not missing an episode subscribe on your favorite podcatcher to digesting fargo and if you're a fan of the show dark go back in the archives and listen to all of our podcasts on dark we got like 30 episodes all about the show dark uh, check it out. All right. Uh, so an hour and 22-minute episode, another jam-packed episode of Fargo. But when it ended, you seemed, you said that like you didn't think that that much stuff happened in it. Well, I thought there was, I mean, there was some, like, obviously very noteworthy scenes. The opening with the ring of fire, the closet. Uh, Orietta's closet, I think, was my favorite part of the episode. When yeah, I think I actually jumped during that scene. Yeah, uh, and uh, also, I'm sure I'm more of a, and we'll get to it more as the episode goes on. But I'm definitely more of a fan of the supernatural element that's being presented yep. than you are. Yep. So the absurdity once again is getting to you, and um, this there's so much connection to season two that if you weren't expecting some absurdity to show up. Uh, I, I mean, this is essentially, I'm not sure how much this has to do with one or three, but season two, this very, seems very connected to, um, there's a couple names that are brought up again and just themes, this time ghosts instead of 
aliens but overall i think from listening to noah hawley and just understanding a little bit about fargo absurdity is a required kind of ingredient of fargo yeah uh i was not expecting any of the supernatural stuff we got it right off the bat in the opening scene so we have ethel rita um she's writing she hears wind i actually like when it started, I was like, are we watching Lovecraft Country? Is this, did they accidentally put Lovecraft Country on instead of Fargo? Like, it really seemed like that. That's, or you were watching, uh, I keep wanting to call it American Horror Story, but it's nope. not that. It's, uh, Haunting of Hill House. Hunting, uh, Haunting of Bly Manor, actually. Haunting of Bly Manor. Yeah. And, yeah, um, I will be, uh, I will be actually covering that with somebody this upcoming Friday on over youtube but um is maybe. that the whole season you're covering uh yeah i'm covering the whole season so unfortunately i'm having to binge a show that um i think kind of requires week by week but i do require i do recommend bly manor but anyway back to uh fargo yeah they're the other ghost show yeah right the now. other ghost show um yeah i just uh i was okay i i'm very okay with the very okay with the supernatural element and uh i don't think i think it will just kind of be a looming presence i don't think it's gonna be the end all be all for the season but we'll see yeah i mean the um the uh um ethel rita's family uh, um what's her last name uh, uh smutney family that's mm-hmm. it uh they live in a mortuary yeah. so i mean i guess the the presence of ghosts in the mortuary um we then see i don't know if it was the same spirit or ghost uh that's popping up when uh roulette and caps are in the are they in a, I guess they're in a hotel room they're not in the mortuary mm. but I think it's the same ghost that pops up out of the um, out of the bathtub and we also get uh, Nurse Mayflower talking about the mummy in King Tut mm-hmm. as well in in Egypt right. so I, and it's like three references to some sort of uh, after death or afterlife yeah and I and another time I I have only been able to watch episode once so this is gonna be. Probably, ago, this is going to be as shaky as I've ever been for an episode, but I, I still think for the most part I got it. But I swear I saw a ghost when they first showed Ethelita's closet as well. A quick flash of a ghost. I'd have to go back and rewind and kind of, it'd be like a frame by frame type in of thing. In the opening part of the, in the opening cold open or when she's in Mayflower's apartment? Yeah, in the cold open. Okay. Okay. So there was the ghost that was sitting on the stairs when she opens the door. Mm-hmm. But I didn't notice. But I wasn't looking for ghosts at that point. So. Exactly. So maybe I'm just seeing ghosts that were never there after being presented later in the episode with it. Yeah. It, well, I mean, we, this is the first we've gotten any ghosts, I believe, in this season. So it might make sense that uh, there have been ghosts hiding that we just haven't noticed. Which, again, brings me back to not Haunting of Bly Manor, Haunting of Hill House, which was the first presentation by Mike Flanagan, had a lot of similar elements to that Hereditary, another show that or movie that we both like, mm-hmm. where there's you're not sure if you're seeing things or not. So that could be something that starts to be presented in the show. So it might be worth a uh, Fargo rewatch in yeah. a couple hours. So... Um, yeah, and it opened too. It's it's interesting. It was like a nightmare before Christmas. It reminded me of like it was Christmas. There's there's presents. Um, we even saw the the staircase, and it reminds me a lot of the staircase in season t- in season three. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a double. So this was like a single version of that staircase from season three that we see in the opening scene, and we see presents under the tree. Um, so much so that I actually thought maybe we were seeing the house from season three, which we weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see the camera go up the stairs. And it's, it's like a mix of Halloween and Christmas. So uh, this season that was supposed to air in April, airing right before Thanksgiving, or right before Halloween, is very well-timed. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, I, and that was really all we got from the opening with Ethel Rita. Um, although she's going to play a big role later on in the episode, and I think setting up uh, some potential challenges for her and her family down the line. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of problems coming to Smutney's way. So then we go from super dark to uh, a very bright scene. We see oranges, 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 oranges driving down the road. Um, of course, this is the Fada truck. Um, it is. I wasn't sure who was driving it or who was. I don't know who was driving it, but uh, the passenger in the truck was Calamita. Mm-hmm. So um, he was the one who tried to take the hit on Loy's son Lemuel last week. Right. Um, and. They get stopped by a bunch of fire on the street, and uh, we get a really bright scene. I thought it just looked really cool. We're, they're surrounded by a ring of fire. We've got this truck with the oranges, um, and we have the cannon guys coming with their guns to uh, to steal this truck. Yeah, and the reason they were stealing this truck is in response to Swanee and uh, Zelmar's uh, robbery last week, which they attributed to the Fadas. Right, so we're seeing an escalation based on really kind of based on misunderstandings we had um we did have the hit that was called for on the mule but that was called um by gatano so that mm-hmm. was not like an official hit by the father family and rabbi milligan purposely stopped it yet he later in the episode we see loy immediately blames him and tries to manipulate him because he because he was involved yeah, exactly and he knew knew how it was going to look tries to kind of rabbi tries to explain himself but you know, we'll see how that yeah. goes. Poor Rabbi, really, really caught in the middle of, uh, and I guess that's Rabbi's role, where he's in the middle of all these families throughout history mm-hmm. um, in Kansas City. So, uh, yeah, and so then we see we see the guys, they, they go to steal a truck, they're um, trapped him by the fire, yeah, and I just wrote down just, like, how cool this looked. I'm sure this was, like, CGI fire, but it just No, it definitely like, was CGI fire. It just looked really, I, I don't know, I, I love, like, this. It was just something I've never seen on screen before, I feel like, mm-hmm. except maybe in, like, Backdraft. But. Yeah, I've I haven't watched Backdraft yet, but I've I'll take your word that, I don't for know it. if I've ever seen Backdraft, but it's what I would imagine Backdraft is like. Yeah. Um. And uh, so instead, I don't know which cannon guy this was. I don't have his name written down, but uh, instead of shooting Calamita, he uh sticks his gun into the fire, the tip of his gun into the fire, and brands a big O on his face. Mm-hmm. So uh, Calamita for the rest of the season, I would imagine, is going to have this giant burn mark uh, for the rest of his time on this show. Mm-hmm. So uh, then we get our uh, standard doctor senator slash uh, old Fada guy. So that's Ebo mm-hmm. uh, meeting in the diner to talk about America. So this is at least the second time that we've seen this meeting. Um, we saw it the last time and we saw in the last episode, we saw Dr. Senator telling his story of uh, being in war, being in World War II. And this time we get Ebo telling his story about being in America. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be an American is to pretend. He talks about slavery and smallpox blankets. And uh, then they really lay out for us, like, how this Cold War is escalated. They're not sure if they're at war. It's like, a, you know, big question mark there. He said, you shot at the boss's boy. Um, this was kind of confusing to me because he said, you stole. So uh, Ebal says, you stole our guns. And I was trying to remember, was there a scene where they stole their guns that I don't remember? Um, and it wasn't until after this scene that I realized the truck that they stole with the mm-hmm. oranges, which of course it wasn't just a truck of oranges. They were hauling something. They were hauling 300 guns. Right. And they also burned the driver alive. That should be noted. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they mentioned that. I think that guy, they're just like, oh, sorry. And he was, he should have been wearing a red shirt yeah. basically. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, 
again, I think there's so many parts of this season that is it's amazing that it got delayed to now. The pretending about Americans thing, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. We have a president who had coronavirus and then two days later is out taking off his mask, saying he's fine. Maybe some could say pretending, which is the American way. So that's my little political diatribe for the... But I just couldn't help but apply so much uh, of this season to current climates in uh, America. Yeah, well, and, uh, you know, we had lots of oranges in this episode, too. So if you really want to get to the Trump of it all, you've got the the orange buffoon. Yeah, exactly. There we go. So, uh, yeah, so they also bring up the Spring Street stick-up. I believe I have friends that live on Spring Street. But that (laughs) uh, that was the robbery from last episode with... Uh, with uh, roulette and caps, where yep. they stole slash puked on the money. And I'm on team, and I'm team Zelmar and uh, Swanee when I describe them. So roulette and caps and Swanee and Zelmar. In case you're not super up, same person. So yep. sorry, it's confusing. I Zelmar roulette <laughs> and Swanee caps. Yes, uh, I don't. I don't. Know. I think it's easier for me to. I think my phone doesn't autocorrect roulette and caps like it would Zelmar and Swanee. So that's why. I, that's why I go with roulette and, and caps in my notes. Fair enough. Uh, I take no notes, so that's yeah. why I'm able to call him Zomar and Swanee. Yeah. Uh, mental notes, yes. Uh, <laughs> so they drive the orange car, and we get a very cool, like, slowed-down version of Little Drummer Boy. Again, <laughs> we're, you know, I feel like I've started seeing people talking about Christmas, so it's, like, fitting that we're getting Christmas stuff right now. Uh, Christmas creep would have been all the way to April had this <laughs> season come out on time. So it was better that it that it was delayed a little bit. Um, and this is when we get, uh, you recognize the name, but uh, they said... We have 300 guns. Let's send. So this is uh, at the Cannon uh, Warehouse. Uh, we have 300 guns. Let's send 200 to not Max Kellerman, but Mort Kellerman. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Fargo. Oh, that's the title of the show. Yep. So, um, so what do you remember about Mort Kellerman? So I don't. I remember. I just remembered the name. Then I did have to do a little bit of research. Went to the fandom to jog jog my memory of Fargo. He was in season two for an episode. Um, ended up shooting a particular gangster family member in the head 19 times, and then he himself got stabbed by uh, the Gerhardt, uh, one of the Gerhards of the Gerhardt crime syndicate in the head. Um, but basically, it kind of showed that he he kind of was like a little bit of a looking for respect type of guy, never really got the same respect as his father from what I can remember. So kind of hinting that maybe Loy picks the wrong side when deciding to give a little deal and look for favor in return. Yeah. So I did. I, I also looked him up. Um, had I known that we, we should have been rewatching season two instead of uh, season three, mm-hmm. maybe we'll watch season two. But if you do want to go back and watch Mort Kellerman, uh, he's only in one episode of season two and that is season two, episode four. This was season four, episode four. So a nice little uh, bit of mirroring there. Yeah, and we still have Mike Milligan, which I do have a theory on that I can get to anytime you want. But okay. I'll, if you want me, do you just want me to say it now? Yeah, you might, well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, might as okay, well. so my Mike Milligan theory, I do think that Satchel Cannon, eventually, it, by the end of the season, most of his family, I think, is going to be dead or he's going to want to disown from his family. One or the other, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Um, and he, maybe Loy will still be alive and a little bit of the tragedy will be, he'll choose to go with Rabbi Milligan as his kind of father figure mm-hmm. and he'll adopt the name, name Milligan, become Mike Milligan eventually. And probably because Rabbi Milligan will be one of the last people to die in the season. And then he'll avenge Rabbi Milligan by taking his last name and trying to take over Kansas city. 
Um, yeah, no, I think that that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I think it would be good if we had somebody who knew, could remember a lot more about season two, because I would be curious what the connection is between Mike Milligan and the Kellermans, mm-hmm. um, Kellerman's son, mm-hmm. because maybe Mike Milligan slash Satchel gets sent there to be, uh, to be saved or traded. Yeah. Or, or traded. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking maybe like a witness protection type thing where it's not safe for him in Kansas city. So he gets sent up to Fargo. Um, so if anybody is listening and they remember season two really well, and you want to add a little color to this, that would be great. Uh, email us digesting at gmail.com. Yep. Some feedback on but that. that's my Mike Milligan. I think, I mean, bit for the day. So do you think that's just like too, uh, obvious almost? Like, I mean, could it be that like they want you to be thinking that, and it's. I don't think so. I, I I really don't. I think that it's there to be presented, and it's a it's just a natural through line for these two seasons that take both take place in Kansas City, two generations apart. Yeah, or one generation apart. Because I was wondering about that. I was like, um, you know, with the oranges. I was like, obviously, oranges are uh, oranges represent death in the Godfather movies. And so as soon as you see the truck with the oranges driving, and then you see oranges a couple other times throughout the episode, I was like, okay, either there's death coming, which there was the, uh, the father guy who got burned alive, but I was like, or they just want you to be thinking there's death coming. And there's really not death coming. This uh, isn't quite oranges though, as a pop culture reference. It's is like a specific character's name who's repeated and it's Rabbi Milligan. And right now how Mike Milligan is re- like there, you'd have to kind of really think, be thinking about it actively. Yeah. So if you are the rewarding, like that. A super, uh, it's not like Smith, right? No. It's not a super common name. Yeah. So. It, so they're rewarding you if you're paying attention to this mm-hmm. show. Um, I don't think it's one trying to pull the wall over its eyes at any points, really. So if you notice it and pay attention to it and put the pieces together, it won't. Some of it won't be exactly a surprise, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I think at least I would like to go maybe watch season two, episode four, at least the flashback where we get Mort Kellerman, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what we get to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's the connection there uh, between season two and this season four. Um, then we get Yusto uh, and uh, Nurse Mayflower. They are uh, uh, moving forward in their relationship. They're having sex and uh, she's choking him. Her cat is running around the room. Uh, it's just a very, like, this. the stuff between them was my favorite part of the episode. I just thought it was hmm. very funny. And um, just, like, they're they're in, like, a different show, I feel like, than Fargo. Like, they're just weird. Yeah, I mean, but there is some good information that happens in the scene afterwards. Definitely. So Yeah, so they have a, this is the, one of the few scenes that we rewound and watched a second time. Uh, because they have a, they have a conversation uh, it starts off talking about Istanbul, and Mayflower says that she really wants to go to Istanbul because that's where they filmed Casablanca. And Yusto's like, no, they filmed Casablanca in Casablanca. I'm actually not sure if that's true. They filmed Casablanca in Burbank, California. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> um, but definitely not in Istanbul. They weren't exactly shipping over Hollywood actors to just set up in another form. Yeah, no, not in 19... 19- they knew that movie was going to be a hit, though. Yeah. Um, and uh, so then I, I think this is what you're referring to. So Yusta says he reveals the uh, the rivalry with his brother, Gitano, and that he uh, Gitano is trying to take control. And then he says, I just want to kill him. Mm-hmm. And Mayflower says, your brother? And, she, and he says, no, 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 Harvard, 
which is now Mayflower's new boss. Mm-hmm. So now, once again, he's revealing uh, his wishes to her, and she is able to take that and potentially kill somebody, uh, but blame him for it or put it on his behalf. So, yeah, and she's like the Dexter of Fargo, apparently, yeah, once we see clearly, her closet. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and they also, after this, when he's... When Eustace's getting up to go, uh, he's getting dressed and he's getting ready to leave, which he's pretty much dressed anyways, but getting a little bit more dressed. Uh, she's standing on the bed above him and is like towering over him, which I thought was uh, really neat. And the cat, the, uh, the cat is orange also. So if you want to, you know, her, her orange cat, if orange is representing death in this show, like the Godfather, her orange cat is all over the place. Just like her hands are all over people's bodies that she's killing. Um <laughs> And as they're getting ready to leave, Ethelrita is at the door. She's ready to take Mayflower up on her offer to clean her house for 50 cents. Yeah. To organize her house for 50 cents. Yeah. And, like, um, again, like, there, one thing I noticed, and maybe I'm looking for it, but it seems like Justo is definitely racist. Because, again, he has a weird reaction to seeing, like, Ethelrita, a black girl. And mm-hmm. he, like, immediately, like, leaves and, like, well, he was getting ready to leave at first with her. Like, he, like sees her and like scrams off and she's embarrassed by her and like denies knowing her until justo's out of the hallway and then oh, she's like what are you doing like you know what were you doing like you embar- look what you just did you embarrassed me huh yeah i didn't even so it's like this that. weird and like there was a scene last episode i mentioned with justo and his weird react he was like you're a and then didn't say the word he wanted to say mm. about um about uh Satchel, who's in the room with Rabbi Milligan. Oh, that's right. Yep. So Justo's got some, ra- you know, racism. Or at least, you know, at least towards kids, too. Um, yeah. I... Both times it was black kids. Mm-hmm. He did that, too. Yep. So, uh, but uh, either way, Ethelrita gets the job. Um, lucky her. She gets to clean uh, Mayflower's apartment for 50 cents. And or, although I think she said it would take three hours. I think she was she bargains with her. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mayflower even says, like, look at you. You're such an American bargaining with me. Gumption. Gu- yeah, gumption. She, like, her American gumption. So uh, she's going to clean the sheets. She's going to do the dishes. But Mayflower says, don't go in this room. Don't mm. go in this closet. Which, of course, she's going to go in that closet. Yeah. So, um, Also, poor Ethelrita has to clean the sex sheets after mm. Mayflower and Justa just had sex. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, then as Justa's getting ready to leave, he's stopped by Rabbi Milligan. And they're talking about the hit, how Calamita took him on the hit. He warns him that Gitano was the one who ordered the hit, or at least they, they figure that out. Um, again, this was very fun Justo stuff. He's uh, throwing snowballs in frustration, and then he eats some snow, which uh, in a pandemic, I'd say in 2020, don't eat snow. Yeah. Probably not sanitary. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we've got Rabbi, uh, Rabbi in the middle. He's stuck in the middle between the two brothers. Pretty soon, he's going to also be stuck in the middle between the cannon and the fados. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, you know, poor, poor rabbi just sitting on that fence this whole episode. <laughs> so um, Then uh, we get our first uh, Deffy of the episode. So uh, we see Deffy and uh, the guy that he's working with, that's uh, Wef. So um, our OCD assistant uh, investigator, FBI investigator. They're talking to a guy who says that Roulette and Caps, uh, Swanee and Zalmer, uh, came, uh, he saw them and that they, they were leaving to go to Chicago. So, um, did we, have we seen this guy before? I didn't recognize him. Okay. I didn't either. And so 
this this all was kind of confusing. I guess Weft put this guy up to try to get Deffy off the trail. Mm-hmm. So uh, to try to get Deffy to, I guess it was just to get Deffy to leave town in general. Yeah, because he's like, oh, you should, after it, he's like, you should just go to, um, you should just you should go to Chicago. You should chase them. Yeah, and, and Deffy sees what he's trying to do, and Deffy's like, you know what? The great thing about the FBI is we have offices all over the country. We can stay in uh, Kansas City, mm-hmm. and uh, we can have our Chicago office investigate it. So Deffy's Deffy's no dummy. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I do think like. And I'm sure this is intentional. We talked a little bit about this last week because I was like, oh, I like Deffy. He's like a fun character. And you're like, yeah, Deffy's like a terrible cop. Like he's like mm-hmm. an evil, racist cop. Yeah. Um, and I think what I like about Deffy is I've watched, you've never watched Justified, right? See, and I've watched like three seasons of Justified and he's a very fun character in that show. Mm-hmm. So I think like this is great casting by Noah Hawley to put, uh, to put him in this role because you see, uh, you see Timothy Oliphant as Deffy and you're like, Oh yeah, it's you know it's fun U.S. Marshal from Justified. He's just in the Fargo world, and um, but you know he didn't do anything particularly evil in this episode. Um, but it does seem like he's uh, he's probably not going to be up to any good. Yeah, no, he's still still a racist, <laughs> like still not a good guy. Yeah, um, uh, and yeah, well, and I guess he did tell the story when uh, he might he might have uh, in, te- in addition to being racist, he's very anti-Italian as well. So he's Mormon. He's from Salt Lake City. Um, we, uh, but before we get there, we get a confrontation between Justo and Gatano, and Justo points a gun at Gatano and uh, gets him to stand down. So they they have this power dynamic. Um, we see we see Rabbi in there. He's kind of in the middle, and uh, Calamita is there as well. So it seems like uh, Justo kind of won this this round of the boxing match with Gatano because Gatano walks out. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, just another simmering Cold War where, you know, is there there's a pretend war going on between these two brothers as well. Um, it's just, you know, we don't even get them talking about it at all, but there's definitely a pretend war. So, yep. Uh, Deffy and uh, Deffy and Weff are outside of Joplin's, which I guess I didn't until this episode put together that the upstairs of Joplin's is where all this stuff goes on, where it's like the headquarters for the crime family, where the kid training mm-hmm. goes, goes. I mean, it makes sense, but. We see that Joplin storefront, and then inside is is where uh, everybody's headquarters is. So, uh, Deffy goes in. We have a really great interaction between him and Gatano. Deffy tells uh, he tells Gatano the story about how there were two Italians that came to Salt Lake City, and that they tried to start some organized crime, and basically describes lynching Italian guys mm-hmm. in Salt Lake City, dry, dragging them behind trucks and uh, hanging them to get them to stop uh, committing crimes where he's from. Yeah. So, yeah, this this goes to to what you were saying too. But but he says it with a smile on his face. Right? Yeah, that's the Fargo way. Is yeah. They say horrible things with a nice face. It's nice. about being Amer. It's about being American, pretending. Yeah, giving smallpox blankets. Exactly. Yeah. Um. And so, uh, uh, Justo tells uh, he meets with with Weff and um. Also with I'm not I'm not sure if it was Eball that he met with, but it was somebody else. I think it might have been Eball. I thought it was Eball. Yeah, and he tells Eball to go to New York and say everything is under control, but bring back some men with you. And Eball is like, but if we do, if we bring back some men, they're gonna know everything's not under control. Yeah. And uh, Justo is just losing it with everybody. Just pretend. Yeah, exactly. Just pretend. Um, so then we get back to Mayflower's apartment. Ethel Rita, of course, 
you know, is going to go in that secret closet. The way they film this, they really set you up to know that that's going to be happening, that she's going to be going in there. Um, she's writing something down in her notebook, just as she's like, maybe just like keeping track of what she's doing. Um, and she goes in the secret closet, and this is where, this was the scene that you were talking about. I like this scene a lot, too. This was really, really intense. Um, she opens it up. She sees all the different jars of, of poison. She sees a box with obituaries of like hundreds of people so you would imagine these are all of mayflower's victims over the years um and uh she even sees like a box with uh different items from like like jewelry and different items she sees the ring Mm -hmm. from uh donatello so um the last we see is uh it's it's very intense in that scene the cat jumps up i thought the cat was going to knock at least like the poison over she's able to catch the poison um so nothing spills but um the cat uh, does knock over the box of uh, all the obituaries. That's how Ethelreda finds it. Yep. So Ethelreda puts on the ring, which seems to fit her perfectly. It's, it's kind of funny that a ring that fit Donatello Fada would also fit Ethelreda's hand. Because you would think he's got like super fat, big fingers. Yeah, well, he had very feminine hands. Apparently. Or she's got... Man hands. hands. Yeah, Man hands. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if she ever took the ring off. I did not notice if she took the ring yeah, off. Yeah, they didn't show. So, so probably not. So... Did she steal the ring? Is I mean, and that could be another misunderstanding if uh, if the Fadas see her wearing Donatello's ring, um, that could definitely start uh, you know another another layer in this pretend war. Um, but the camera lingers on as the phone starts ringing. Athelita goes to leave. She did leave her notebook in that closet, so yep. you got to think Mayflower is going to find that notebook and know what it is, and um, Mayflower is not going to be happy about that. Yeah. Um, we go from that scene to another really good scene with uh, the cannons surrounding Rabbi Milligan. He's got his groceries, and they're talking about uh, they're talking about Lloyd's son Satchel. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rabbi explains to tries to explain to Lloyd that he really cares about Satchel, and he even says to Satchel, "If you don't see me, it means I'm either dead or arrested." Yep. And he's trying to explain to Lloyd, and, and we know that he's actually the only one taking care of Satchel. He's the only one who's actually caring for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lloyd doesn't want to hear that, so. Uh, Lloyd says, you know, bring back my son and we'll be square. And he mentions that, you know, God will, God will know too. Mm -hmm. So it's another reference to God. We did get a reference to God earlier in the episode, um, when Daffy is talking to Katana as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, God is being brought up. Death spirits are being brought up a lot of times in this episode. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Rabbi's trying to explain to Lloyd that he knows some, he knows what's going on. and, And Lloyd says, you know, nothing. And uh, tells him how he knows all about, or no, uh, sorry, Loy tells Rabbi that he knows all about him. And Rabbi tells Loy, you know nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, Loy tries to explain to him that he knows about how he um, turned on his first family and, and led, and he's been in the middle. You know, again, Rabbi Milligan being in the middle, he was in the middle of the Italians and the Irish. Now he's in the middle of these two brothers. He's in the middle of uh, the canons of the father. So he's always just in the middle of lots of different groups of people. Yep. Lloyd says, they ain't your family. And I just wrote on, poor, poor rabbi. He's just, you know, always mistreated. His groceries got caught, cut right down the middle, spilled out everywhere. <laughs> so, poor guy. Yeah, and then Loy also says, you can't be smart and stupid at the same time. Mm. I really like that line. Uh, but if you're in the middle, you can be smart and stupid at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see who's right. Yeah. If he can be in the middle or if he has to pick a side. Um, then we go to the hotel room where Caps and Roulette, well, really just Roulette, Zomar is cleaning the money and uh, laundering money, literally. And she's got the money in the bathtub. She's cleaning it up. 
apparently it's not doing much. The money still smells like the puke. Yep. From uh, the poison pie. So, you know, uh, this is this is where we're getting into the Fargo. This, this money is what really gets into the Fargo of this all. Yeah. And Zalmar does know that the pie was poisoned. Yeah, I wasn't sure how she was able to know it was the pie. I guess she just put it together. Swanee, it's the only Swanee thing Swanee ate, ate and yeah. she knows that her sister wouldn't poison her. Yeah. So it's figuring out who gave her the pie. Yeah. Um, and this is where we see the spirit rise up out of the bathtub. Mm-hmm. And um, Caps is still really sick. She's like hyperventilating or dry heaving. Um, at one point, she's not moving. And I actually thought Caps might be dead. And I was like, oh, we might have our first death on the death pool. But uh, no, then then Zomar just starts laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, this whole scene we're seeing like, the money is all drawn out over the hotel room on like drying lines, and apparently it's not doing much because it seems like everybody can still smell the puke on the honey. Yeah, puke puke tends to stick around. Yeah, so. especially uh, you can't. It's not like there's like a. I don't think there's probably laundry machines that you can put it in back then. Either, no. So, especially not access to them when they're on the run. Mm-hmm. So uh, then we see the back of the hearse, and it's Thurman's hearse. This is the first we're seeing Herm- uh, Thurman Smutney in this episode. Yep. Gonna play a pretty, pretty big role yep. on the last ten minutes of this episode, and uh, Zelmar goes in the front of the hearse. She gives him the money so she knows about the debt in addition to knowing about the uh, the pie, and she says, "Here's some money to pay off the debt." Uh, great interaction between them. Thurman keeps asking questions. He's like, "Well, how much money is it? Where is it from? Why does it smell so bad?" And she just keeps saying, "Don't ask." I don't remember exactly what she said. I don't have it written down, but like, "Don't ask the money fairy." Mm-hmm. Uh, questions or something along those lines no um so yeah so uh he he takes it and uh he goes to Lloyd's house again when we see we see loy he's kind of in his own world just like thinking about the war and what's going on um the the different crimes that have been committed against them he's peeling oranges so oranges all strung out over his table mm-hmm. so again seeing oranges again um and uh thurman thurman knocks on the door uh lemuel says there's a white man at our door, Dad, and um, and he comes. He's he's got the bag of money, and Lloyd doesn't notice until after that the money is the puke money. That it smells really bad. That it smells just like their warehouse does with the puke. Yeah, but he seems to be suspicious immediately, anyways. Well, yeah, because it's like just a bag of money from this guy, and he's like, "Where did you get it all from?" Yep. Um, and so uh, he gives, but but he he gets it, and then uh, Thurman is like kind of like silly in this i think he's just very nervous like he doesn't want he's like you're not gonna kill me and uh well he's like well if you leave i won't kill you um and so uh he ends up leaving leaves the money with loy and you know feels good because they paid off the he paid off the debt he did say it was his uncle Bully's money that his uncle Bully left him all this money and loy was like he just left you a bag of cash and he's like well no he left me a check and uh, i just thought you'd rather have cash than a check yeah um, i just brought you this puke money so um it was a lot like william h macy from the movie right yes this this uh the the puke money and and the journey of the puke money and the journey and the the pie that's all like the very very fargo stuff of this Mm -hmm. season where it's just like misunderstandings and mistakes i mean it's not like thurman knows that this money was stolen from loy and then used to repay the debt where are the odds right and, you know, as far as Lloyd knows, he's like, wait a second, they robbed me for this money, and now they're paying me for it. Might be why you don't just take money, no questions, from a known robber. Or maybe pay with different money. I guess you wouldn't think about it, but it's just, uh, 
I don't know. I, I feel like if you owe somebody money, it's not a good idea to pay them money that smells that bad. That yeah. might be a good first step. Oh, well. Yeah, that'd be kit. So Thurman returns home. He pours a drink. He's feeling like the hero. He's very proud of himself. Uh, Debrell does not look happy. He's not happy that he paid the debt. Um, isn't happy that he... I think mostly she's unhappy because uh, she knows that he got the money from Zelmar. Do you think that's what she was... Yeah, yeah. And, and he, yeah, she knows that that's just going to bring trouble. But she doesn't know how Zelmar got the money, right? She doesn't know that they robbed... Not uh, specifically, but she knows her sister. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, pays... He paid with the puke money. She's not happy. She walked out. Uh, I don't know if she left the house, but she walked out of the room. She didn't celebrate. Um, Thurman goes from being super proud of himself to uh, not so happy with himself. And Ethelrita is there to console him. So um, things are starting to get very twisty and very twisted up between all these characters. Yep. So um, we're seeing now how really like the smut needs and the role that they play in all this is they're just like these like weird third party that's getting involved on lots of different sides, right? Like mm-hmm. Alpha Rita is cleaning, uh, cleaning Mayflower's apartment. Mayflower is probably going to kill Dr. Harvard for Justo and, um, and her dad paid off Lloyd Cannon with puke money that was stolen by Debrell's sister. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we, we were wondering at the beginning of this season, how was this going to be a Fargo? If this is just like a gang war, well, it seems like the Smutneys are really like the everyman that gets involved. Yeah. So. I think that's fair. And I do wonder if we'll find out why they borrowed the money in the first place. If there's uh, some bigger reason or if it was just financial troubles. So. Yeah, I've, I haven't really thought about it. But if I had to, I would think that it was just financial problems. And this is just like another example of like borrowing from the wrong people and then paying them back in the wrong way. Yeah, just running up credit. Yeah, the American way. Combine, yeah, pretending, yeah, pretending it's every, all good. Pretending yeah, it doesn't smell like puke. Yeah, and they did pretend that things were good. In front of that, they had that family dinner in the first episode mm-hmm. where Ethel Rita's trying to find out why everybody's upset, and they were just pretending everything was fine. Yep. So, um, all right, so that was uh, the episode of the Pretend War. Went very quick for an eighty-minute episode, mm-hmm. um, and and really moved a lot of pieces. It, it gives me a lot more confidence in this episode than I had in the last one. Um, where I just feel like we're, I can see how all the pieces are fitting together, and um, we just haven't had any any murders yet. Which is yeah, we're crazy. just setting up the dominoes. They're going to fall quick when they start falling, I think. Yep. So uh, the next episode, episode five, is the birthplace of civilization. So more history, uh, more American history, maybe, maybe going back to Egyptian history. You have uh, Mayflower talking about Egypt. Fargo Egypt edition. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe just more references to. Far away places that uh, that King Mayflower Tut. wants to yeah Mayflower wants to travel to that King Tut so quirky yeah Steve Martin will make an appearance and oh. play King Tut I don't know if I've ever have you seen the King Tut SNL sketch with uh, I've Steve seen Martin? no you're the SNL guy I've seen like parts of it I'm not quite I mean it's like a famous sketch I'm not quite sure why it's so famous yeah I like Steve I'm I'm a big Steve Martin guy too uh, but I've not watched Father of the Bride Part Three yet. Or whatever that is. Because it's like a Zoom movie. I don't really want to watch a Zoom movie. That's so, fair. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, well, let's see. Question-wise, let me just check and see if we got any questions in. Uh, if you have questions, you know, get them in within about 24 hours of the episode airing. Uh, email address is digestingdarkpod at gmail.com. 
Um, let's see. So we have one question. It came from my co-host on the Movie Ladder Podcast, Brennan Fitzpatrick. And uh, he said, not really a question. He said, I love the scene at the end and Chris Rock's reaction to realizing where the money came from. Where he's uh, smelling and he realizes that it's starting to smell. I thought that, yeah, that was, that was good. I think I would have, my only problem with that is like, he probably would have smelled it earlier. I mean, it, it, if it smells like puke, it probably He was pretending not to. Why, though? Why would he pretend He's not to? He's waiting to deci- decide his move and what it means, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Loy is very calculating, and he's not stupid. No. So um, so you think he could smell it the whole time? Because he seemed to be realizing it after Thurman left. Yeah, I think maybe he would... I think at, I think he was suspicious, and um, maybe that clouded his senses for a minute, and that's why he didn't smell until yeah, after. Yeah, he just wanted the money. He was... His, he was just wanted. He was showing, show me the money. That's all I wanted. Yeah, but he was suspicious about the money from the beginning when he showed up with it. So I don't know though. And then he also said, "How are they going to get out of this jam?" Um, I guess it's just a general everybody question for everybody on Fargo. Uh, probably by killing people, I would guess. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't, I don't know which jam. Which who do you think is in the biggest jam for this episode? Uh. I'll say I'll give it to Ethel Rita. Ethel Rita in the biggest jam. Yeah, I think that's probably right because she left her notebook. Yeah. Um, like that's a real rookie move. I'm gonna um, say Thurman is in the biggest jam. Maybe we should start tracking this. So the Smunny family. Yeah, Smunny family's screwed. Except maybe Debrell will be all right. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. She's gonna be connected to her sister. Um. Yeah, I think Thurman. Uh, I feel like Lloyd's gonna be knocking on Thurman's door at the start of the next episode, probably yeah. with a gun pointed at his face. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Uh, looking at our safety draft, nobody died yet. So, um, I Do didn't I... think Swanee was going to die. I thought you were going to get a you're going to get death on their board. But can you go back over my list? Yeah. So I have Rabbi Milligan. This is safe, not death. This is these people have to survive. Yeah. Rabbi Milligan, Satchel, Loy Cannon, <sighs> and Agent Weff are my picks to survive. Your picks to survive are Ethel Rita, Doctor Senator, Swanee, and Deffy. <sighs> You want to make a trade? Uh, yeah, I feel good about Ethel Rita for you, and yeah. that's it. <laughs> oh, man, because I was going to offer a little bit of a Swanee, not a Swanee. A Swanee and Ethel Rita are staying, but uh, I was going to offer Dr. Senator and Deffy in exchange for Satchel. Oh, uh, no. Cause so I, I'd give you two for one. No, uh, I I would trade Dr. Senator for Agent Weff because I think Agent Weff will definitely die. I don't know why I drafted him. That was dumb. I think Dr. Senator is also going to die, so that's kind of a wash. Yeah. Uh, no. Deffy might survive. That's why I'm, That's why there's the value. Yeah. He's like the first round pick who hasn't done anything yet. We've been Kamara. hearing all about this Deffy guy. Yeah, yeah. He's Alvin Kamara. I'm assuming Alvin Kamara's got like four touchdowns by the time we go upstairs. Uh, nice. Um, all right. Well, we got to give our MVPs. Uh, so who's your getting your MVP this week? Um, I will give my MVP to Doctor Senator. Doctor uh, Senator. I really think that um, he's kind of running the Cannon family more than Loy. Mm. So a lot of what he's Deep saying, state. Yes. yeah, a lot of what he's saying about um the Fadas and about how they don't know who's running it. He's kind of projecting maybe in some ways to pretend conversation that's just the the season of fargo they're hitting you over the head with it but for a reason mm-hmm. um that pretend conversation is this season of fargo encapsulated and i just really like dr senator so 
I was torn between him or Ethel Rita, but Ethel Rita made the fumble at the goal line. Yeah, no, so no, it's like not Yeah, it's like you know, it, I was well, I was, at first when she was getting the information, I'm like, she's got, she's got a like another level. But then she may have forgotten to take off the ring. She may have left the note, or she did leave the notebook. So definitely not the MVP here. Yeah, that ring is going to be important. I think. Yeah, one uh, ring to rule them yeah, all. Yeah, Chekhov's ring. Um, all right, well, I'm going to give it to Loy. I feel like it's kind of a basic pick, but uh, I think Loy, outside of maybe making a bad move with the guns, um, I think he got the money. He was able to figure out where the money is from. Uh, he uh, uh, he uh, confronted Rabbi Milligan, so intimidated Rabbi Milligan. That's the word I'm looking for. So um, and I just think Loy was involved in all the best scenes in this episode. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, we gave an MVP point to Dr. Harvard. Who did that? I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, I think I, I did. I think I, I did meant, that. Unless I meant, I think you did after uh, the last episode. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. All right. Well, Dr. Harvard and Dr. Senator both have one. So nobody has more than one MVP point yet. That was Dr. Senator's first MVP? Yeah. Wow. So Mayflower, Rabbi Milligan, Dr. Harvard, Thurman Smut, Thurman Smutney and Dr. Harvard got MVP points last week. Mm. Uh, oops. <laughs> uh, Dr. Senator and Loy. We're the other MVPs, so uh, one point for everybody. Okay. So uh, we'll see how that how that progresses. No losses on the death draft. Uh, we're all set up for next week. So, uh, yes, if you watch that episode, uh, The Birthplace of Civilization, on Sunday or Monday morning, send in your feedback, uh, digestingdarkpod at gmail.com, and let us know what you're thinking. Uh, we'll be through five episodes out of 11, so we'll be almost halfway through the season next week. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, what do you have? I mean, you're, you're vacationing in Michigan yep. this week, but, uh, what else do you have going on that people can listen to? Uh, so I do a UFC podcast. If you are so interested in MMA or the sport, um, every Thursday we cover the card for the upcoming weekend and we get bet analysis and betting advice. It's on fight bananas, um, is the name of the network and the specific shows inside the distance. So if you follow me at Aaron J A Y Brooks on Twitter, I'm usually retweeting the links out for that, but we go Friday at 8 PM Eastern standard time live. If you are interested and want to drop comments, we take those during the show as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. I've got a hunting, hunting of Bly Manor stream this Friday with, uh, with sabrina ramirez that's over on her channel sabrina on film on youtube so if you want to check that out as well go ahead and give that a follow um and i think that's all right now so uh can somebody write into your ufc podcast and ask how are they going to get out of this jam <laughs> i mean i guess we just we yeah sure if how you are want they gonna to escape this jam yeah yeah just be as vague as possible yeah <laughs> all right uh, yeah, I am at Brooks ZA. Uh, tomorrow on the Movie Ladder Podcast, Brendan and I are going to be talking about Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. So if you're a fan of Beetlejuice, it is the season for spooky movies. Check that out. It'll be out uh, Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. Also, maybe I will have a James Bond podcast coming up on the Timothy Dalton movies. Just depends on scheduling for that. So you can find all that stuff uh, at Brooks ZA. And we'll be back next week to talk about Fargo Season 4, Episode 5, The Birthplace of Civilization. See you then. See ya.